This is Over the Top Cycling, Boulder, Colorado. We are talking heat today as we go the distance with Coach John Hughes. Going the distance with Coach John Hughes. Over the Top Cycling, we're outside at Spruce Confections. Enjoying a beautiful day, but John, it's getting hot. This is going to be the first of a two-part series we're doing on preparing for and riding in the heat. It is a beautiful day, and, and just so I could get in the mood, um, George is sitting in the shade under the umbrella, but I am sitting out here in the sun getting hot. Uh, I take issue with that, John, because the sun is full on my back. <laughs> Fair enough, and, and that brings me to a very important point, which is the vast majority of the heat when you're out riding is heat that you generate internally. Your internal engine is only 20 to 40% efficient, which means of the calories you're burning, only 20% to 40% are going into forward motion. And the rest is getting burned and generating heat. So the most important thing is to keep your core heat down, which you do by drinking fluid and sweating. And so even though George and I are sitting in the sun, we're not doing anything very hard. And I was up in the mountains a week ago, climbing up Fremont Pass, which is 11,300, I think. And I was, it was a cool day, and I was sweating hard because my engine was running hard. So even if you don't ride in really hot weather, learning how to handle the heat is critical. So, you know, when I look at doing something like Race Across the West, Race Across America, any of those, I'm not afraid of the distance. I'm not afraid of the climbs. I'm afraid of the desert. And I have a huge respect for the desert. What, do some people's heat engines not work as well as others? Certainly people differ. That, that's why I say your engine's only 20 to 40% efficient. Um, some people have got, you know, 40, even 50% efficient. Others don't. It has to do with body type. The smaller you are, the, the easier it'll be for you to vent internal heat. The less surface area you have, uh, the less solar gain you'll get. I've got a white jersey, long sleeve jersey made by Bure Sportswear down in Durango that's rated SPF 30. And it's white, it's very light weave. And so what I do is when I'm going up a climb and generating a lot of heat, I'm wearing a sleeveless jersey, unzipped most or all of the way. And when I get to the top or on the flats, I put on my white jersey. Sun protection, and it reduces solar gain from either direct sun or reflected sunlight. Now, what other tips are there? I mean, how do you prepare for the heat? Where did you, do you just get experience with it? Well, the old-style method used to be go live in the desert for two weeks and suffer. And, and, the, and the theory was, and to a certain extent it's true, acclimating passively, just being in the heat, works. But, well, in Boulder, Colorado in July, you could actually do that, except at night. But, but another way is ride hard enough that you're sweating really hard for about an hour. And really? do that multiple days, and that will do as effective a job of acclimating you to the heat because you're, you're, you're getting your internal temperature up pretty darn high, and your body is learning to conserve fluid as necessary. Also, your capillaries on the skin 
dilate more, so heat's vented more effectively. I mean, I hear about guys going to Borrego Springs for a couple of weeks before the race starts. I think that would just weaken me up. Or, I mean, I don't feel like I'd be getting stronger by staying in, in such a hot climate. Well, you and I both know Jerry Tatry, who won Ram a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And Jerry lived with me one summer when he was doing Ram, and he did all his training at night. And I said, don't you want to get used to riding in the heat? And Jerry says, I've only got so many hot days I can ride. I'm saving them up for the race. I'm not going to waste them out here. That's nice to hear. <laughs> well, and, and he did just fine. One, one of the strategies that you've used, I know, is sleep during the day so during the race. Yeah, I usually take my sleep break in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a client who was in Colorado um, doing the 600K, and it was a very hot, at least for Colorado, weekend. And this individual was having a lot of problems with heat the first day, uh, nausea, slowing down a lot, kind of recovered overnight, but was having problems the second day. And the client's spouse was out here providing support, and so I was able to send this person a text message saying, if the heat is bothering the rider, get a motel room. Put the person in the shower, get really cold, have the AC on, an hour in there will do wonders. And maybe you're paying 100 bucks for an hour, but it's well worth it just to get the core temperature down. What, what we, well, what we believed for years, and, and it's true, um, the best places to put ice are armpits, neck, and groin. But recent research has shown it's equally effective on the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet, as well as the top of the head. So if you overheat, applying ice to those places will help a lot. Now that seems like a great idea because then you're not going to have melting water going into your bike shorts. Right. Little anecdote. Um, Second time I raced the Furnace Creek 508, named that because it goes through Death Valley. I was climbing Sheep Hole, the last summit, last climb in the heat. And there's a fall summit. And I got there and I thought, I'm dead. I've got to get in the van. This is over. And then I thought for a second, and I asked the crew, I said, give me two handfuls of ice. And they said, what are you going to do? I said, give me the ice. And I shoved them down my shorts and into my crotch, and I cooled off immediately. But I only had to climb to the top of sheep hole and ride to the finish. I would not do that in the middle of the day and get wet shorts unless I had dry shorts. So if you've got a crew, got an opportunity to do that, that's great. Uh, in the Tour de France, the riders are getting fresh bottles on hot days every 10 to 15 minutes. That quick? That quick. If they can, you know, if the domestiques can do it. And you'll see them pouring water on their heads. And it was the coach, I uh, forget his name, unfortunately, for the African team that was entered. And he told his riders not to douse themselves for the first half of the race because once they started doing it, they just have to keep doing it because it would feel good. And the problem is you may not be getting enough water. And as I was saying earlier, the cooling is mostly internal, not external. So if your water is limited, even though it would feel good to pour it over the top of your head, drink it. Now, in Raw this year, uh, temperatures were, I think we saw a high of 116. I actually had a, our crew chief was trying to have me eat cooling foods. So he was giving me raw cucumbers. I'd never heard of that before, and it worked. 
Well, get, I mean, getting in anything cool in your stomach will certainly help. And watermelon, cucumbers, I mean, any kind of melon has, has got a lot of liquid in it. So it's similar to drinking, but a different taste in your mouth, and you're getting little calories. I mean, think, think of it as a great alternative to an expensive sports drink. You're getting fluid and carbohydrates. And the only thing you're not getting is electrolytes. So the way to get your electrolytes, George, is get your salt shaker and salt your serving of watermelon just a little. Or cantaloupe, salted cantaloupe is just awesome. The only electrolyte you're losing in big quantities is sodium. Potassium, magnesium, the others. If you're eating a normal diet, in a liter of sweat, you might lose a hundredth of 1% of your body stores. Whereas sodium, you could lose multiple percentages. So you do need the sodium. Don't waste your time on those other pills. Tip, tip from Coach Hughes, get salt tablets at your drugstore, drink V8 or tomato juice, eat turkey sandwiches, dill pickles are great, cheese is great, anything, anything really salty that you wouldn't normally eat in a healthy diet, go for it. Sea salt and vinegar Pringles. Absolutely. Now, what does heat do as far as someone who's training with a heart rate monitor power? Uh, are you going to notice differences there just generated by the heat? Good question, George, and they're going to be different because since your body is trying to, to, to disperse heat, your heart rate is going to go up to move more blood faster to your extremities even though, or, or to your skin, even though you're not working harder. So heart rate becomes a less reliable indicator when it's really hot. Whereas power is measuring how much power your muscles are producing. So if you don't slow down, then your power will stay the same, whether it's 50, 90, 120 Fahrenheit. So this is an instance where perceived exertion might be very, very good. Perceived exertion would be very, very good. You can feel how your leg muscles are working pretty well and gauge that. Don't gauge by how hard your heart feels like it's beating or how hot you feel. Try and feel your leg muscles and focus on that and how hard you're working. Now, related to that though, I said earlier, most of the heat is generated internally. So ride not as hard when it's hot. Slow down and you won't generate as much heat. Or if you're training and not worrying about acclimating, ride in the morning when it's really cool or in the evening when it's cool. You used to do some of your training rides before dawn, George. Uh, you know, in college, I, with class and everything, I actually took my studies fairly seriously. <laughs> but I would get up around 4 and go for a, a four-hour ride before school, and then I'd go out with a group in the afternoon. So I'd actually get huge mileage in, but I'd split up my workouts. Sure, that, that's another great way is, is to do split workouts. One early in the day, cool down, another one uh, in the evening. I had a client a couple of years ago, Jerry Arnold, who did Race Across America or Race Across the West. And in the hot days, he stopped every 10 or 15 minutes just to get in the van for a minute or two to kind of get his temperature down and drink. Now, let's talk briefly about drinking. We'll talk more about hydration in the next podcast. When you're going out for a training ride, you want to make sure you're fully hydrated. Uh, 
which means drinking enough fluid that you need to go to the bathroom before you head out and urinate with a good clear stream. Now, it might be yellow if you're taking a lot of vitamins that you're urinating on. And then on the ride, you used to hear the, the phrase, drink before you're thirsty, eat before you're hungry. Well, science has changed. And now the advice is just drink enough so that you're not thirsty. Drink to satisfy your thirst. And the reason is there's a condition called dilutional hyponatremia. So that means low blood sodium. And it's potentially dangerous. It can cause your head to swell to the point that your brain is pressing against your skull and it can kill you. And it's dilutional hyponatremia. You're drinking so much fluid because you're worried about the heat, you're diluting your bloodstream too much. So you're better off drinking enough to satisfy your thirst. You're going to lose 2, 3, 4% dehydration. Those guys in the Tour de France racing, even though they're drinking that much, are dehydrated by the time they come to the sprint. Have you seen a slow sprint because of dehydration, George? I don't think so. Only one I've ever seen is when you and I try to sprint. I was going to say, I mean, yeah, I can't see myself. (laughs) And, And when they are, well, in the morning before a stage starts, every rider is weighed. And in the, after the stage, in the bus, they are weighed again. And for every kilo they've lost, they drink a liter and a half of water. So a kilo weighs a liter, is equivalent. Or a pound is a pint. And they're drinking 1.5 times as much to rehydrate and keep up with their ongoing needs of fluid. So if, if you're riding in fairly hot weather, it's a good idea. Weigh yourself before you go out. Weigh yourself when you get back and rehydrate fully. That's Yesterday I actually did that and weighed a little bit more when I got home because I actually drank. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and you were probably eating those salty sea salt Pringles too, George. Right, I, I, I ran bike tours for, I don't know, a dozen years, which was just great. And riders would complain, I gained five pounds on your tour, John. This is ridiculous. And I'd say, yeah, and we ate in restaurants with salty food, breakfast and dinner. And Lee Fuzzy Mitchell would serve salty food at lunch, and we'd eat salty food. And we'd be getting more sodium than we're used to, and we'd retain water. And unless you've got high blood pressure, eating a saltier diet the day before and the day of a hard ride isn't dangerous to your health. I wouldn't recommend it day in, day out. I eat a fairly low-sodium one, but when I'm coping with heat, sure, it's important. It's over-the-top cycling, Boulder, Colorado, going the distance with Coach John Hughes. Be sure to check out our website, overthetopradio.net. You can follow us on Facebook at Over the Top Cycling, Over the Top Cycling on Instagram and on Twitter. We are Over the Top Bike. Today we're talking heat preparation and training, riding. Uh, John, big thing I hear with heat is cramps. What causes I, I, those? It's still a bit of a mystery, but there are two predominant theories, and one is neuromuscular fatigue. What that means is that your muscles, right where they join the nerves, are getting tired. Not surprising when you're riding. And if you exert fairly hard, the nerves will send a signal to your brain, oh my goodness, this muscle's going to get injured. I need to tighten it up to protect it, which is what a cramp is. The other one is low sodium. 
So a good reason to keep on top of the salt is to keep getting enough sodium to prevent cramps. And if you do, the way to deal with it is to stretch the affected muscle very gently, probably a leg muscle, and get it to loosen up, break the cramp, and then pedal, not with the round stroke we try for, but pedal not using that part of the stroke, not using the muscle if you need to, if you, if you can. There's an article in the resources section of my website on cramps and what to do about it. So www.coach-hughes.com. Click on resources and then look for the cramping article. John, is it ever too hot to ride? All depends. Too hot for me to ride when it's over about 90 anymore. But back when I was training, yeah, I mean, a lot of heat tolerance is psychological. And I mean, it really, it really varies on how hard it feels um, to you. But is there too hot for yourself? It, it depends on the. I mean, it depends on different variables. The support system you have, if you have a crew or not, where you're riding, if you're doing a ride where you can stop frequently to replenish your water or not, if you're doing a ride where you can stop someplace, get indoors or not. Um, that's why I like to use RPE because it's a way of telling you how hard you're working. Does it feel like you're working? too hard and if it does then you probably are and you shouldn't be out in the heat whereas if it feels like it's too hot different from too hard then if it's important you can continue riding one of those training maxims is that most people ride too much very few people ride too little so riding less when it's really hot probably won't hurt your training that sounds great. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, the part that people leave out is the intensity. And doing intensity in the heat is not fun. It's okay to do the endurance in the heat, but the intensity in the heat really sucks. And if I've got to do it, it's going to be supposed to be like 98 or something this afternoon. And I need to do an intensity workout. And I hate riding my trainer. But it's not 98 on my trainer, <laughs> and I've got a big fan, and I've got bottles, so I'll do intervals on my trainer. Now, see, somebody like me, I, I hate being out in the heat, but I like to really torture myself, so I could go out and do hill repeats on old stage for 45 minutes to an hour in 98 degrees, kill myself, but it's like, okay, now I'm out of the heat and right. I can get home. Right. Is that bad to do intensity like that when it's no, hot? No, nothing wrong with doing intensity. You, you need to do the intensity and as we were saying earlier, you need to gauge it either by power, I can do that on my trainer, or by perceived exertion. Don't do it by heart rate. And as long as you're hitting the power level or the perceived exertion level you should be hitting on the repeats, you're doing fine. And one of the problems that a lot of people have with intensity training, which can either be structured hill repeats or just be hammering the local hills, is they don't go quite hard enough, and so they're not getting the intensity benefit. They're just getting tired. 
Oh, they or they go hard enough for the. I, I know this is never a problem for you, George. But if you're supposed to do six repeats, they go hard enough for the first four, and then the fifth one's a, not quite as up where it should be. Ah, do it. It's good for me. It's good to suffer. And the sixth one isn't even close. Well, the fifth and sixth one, you're getting no training benefit. You're just getting tired, and so it's going to increase the amount of recovery time you need before you can go out and do another hard workout. So the maxim is. Always quit an intensity workout when you feel like, I could do one more, but I'm done. Instead of, I think I can get through one more and then go home. So again, look at the resources section of my website. There are articles there on how to train by intensity, heart rate, RPE, power. They all work. All depends on what works for you. Some people like numbers. Some people don't. Now, could you tell us the difference between heat exhaustion and heat stroke? And what are the things we need to be watching out for? I always get scared when it's very hot and I break out in chills and I'm not feeling any sweat. At that point, George, get off the bike and call 911. Oh, seriously. <laughs> you're, you're, you're into heat stroke. Um, when, I mean, your body is not venting heat the way it should. And the easiest symptoms are to pay attention to anything that's happening with your brain because your brain is being affected by too much heat. So examples, trouble walking. Your nerves aren't coordinating very well. Confusion, you're slurring your words. Conversation isn't making sense. You can't talk. Blurred vision, you see double. Sudden severe headache. Anything like that indicates that your brain is swelling and you're in danger. And so you want to get someplace cool, cool down as fast as you can, and call 911. Don't screw around. That's potentially fatal. Heat exhaustion, the word is exhaustion. Everybody knows what it feels like to be exhausted on a training ride. Heat exhaustion is being exhausted. It's the same thing. You're going to sweat heavily. You might be dizzy. You're going to feel really tired, more tired than you should feel for how far you've ridden. Uh, you may have cramps. You may have nausea weaker, rapid pulse, your heart's not working quite as effectively, not as much blood per stroke volume, so it's having to beat a lot faster. So any of those things, unless it's a race that you've got to go, find a way to cool down. Get inside a convenience store, buy something cold to drink, sit there and chill 10-15 minutes, get fresh bottles, head out, get ice. I mean, a, a, lot, of, a lot of mini marts now They've got the soda dispenser, and then you put your cup a different place for the ice. Get as much ice as you can. Skip the soda. You can even do that in your water bottle. You know, I still remember the 1993 Ram show that made it onto ESPN. They, they showed a guy who had climbed into a refrigerator at a convenience store. Right. <laughs> right. I've got a friend, Ben Jones, in Lone Pine, and he has both raced and helped people with the Badwater to Mount Whitney race, which goes through Death Valley. And once, this guy's an MD, and he's the coroner for Inyo County, and once for his cooling mechanism, he took on, along a coffin with the lid open and filled it with ice. And when he was hot, he would just get in his van and hop in his coffin. Probably don't, don't want to go quite that far, but if you've got a vehicle, any way you can get inside and bring down your core temperature is great. And John, we're going to have a second part to this podcast. 
we'll do a second part talking much more about hydration, how to develop your own individual hydration strategy. George, you were making the point earlier that people react differently in heat, so that's why you need your own. How to develop your own electrolyte strategy. All of the stuff that goes with putting things in you to help deal with the heat, as opposed to things you can do, riding, wearing clothes, pacing, splitting workouts, etc., to deal with the heat. And again, www.coach-hughes.com. There are a number of articles in the resource section on riding in the heat. It's going the distance. Coach John Hughes on Over the Top Cycling. Thanks very much, John.